Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. Right, and welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. Along with Donnie Cage. Woohoo! Mr. Cage in the house. How's it going, sir? Fair to Midland to steal uh, a line from you, sir. Fair to Midland. Yes, 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 yes. Hey, folks, if this is your first time listening to the show, uh, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button. Also, hit that notification button. So you know, every time we download a new episode, we are on 73 different audio platforms at this time, including Spotify, Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and the list goes on. Also, Mr. Cage has another podcast that he co-hosts, Uncaged Voice. Go ahead and tell him about that podcast, sir. Yes, you can uh, catch uh, all of our episodes to date on our official YouTube channel. The Uncaged Voice podcast is co-hosted by myself, Top Tier Rated, and Jigsaw Jester. We talk about lots, lots of personal topics. We talk about gaming. We talk about movies, a little bit of wrestling. Throw a lot of different fun stuff in there, so definitely check it out. Hey, you know that last episode, I don't know if you had a chance to go back and listen to it, but when I was acting like I was you and giving out that podcast that's like the funniest thing i've heard in a long time <laughs> uh also if you like if you're into politics uh current news interesting interviews and things of that nature i do host the red pill current news podcast we do drop two episodes a week there we're on the same platforms as this show uh also if you'd ever like to be a guest here on against the matt wrestling podcast you can always email donnie or myself at olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. That's olkentucky, Kentucky spelled out, 99 at yahoo.com. Also in our description below are the links to our social media, along with everything else, our merch shop, our website, which is getting a tune-up, all kinds of things. So be sure to check that out as well. All right, folks, so we're going to start this show off with a segment Uh, that Mr. Cage actually came up with last year. This is called My Fantasy Booking. Now it is time for our fantasy booking segment on Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. Uh So what that is, it's where uh, Donnie and myself, we both pick a wrestler, a superstar, either past, present, 
I started to say future, but that'd be kind of impossible. <laughs> and uh, we talk if we were the bookers or part of creative, how we might have done things a little bit different uh, so their career would have mattered more in a company that they didn't do as well in as compared to other promotions that they really succeeded in. So without further ado, Mr. Cage, I always like to let you start this out. So go ahead and start us off. All right, Kentucky guys. So my fantasy booking for this week is unfortunately a uh, wrestler who's no longer with us. He actually passed away back in 2003 at the age of 36. Just think about that. This man was only yeah. 30 years old when he passed away. Um, and uh, so this week I'm going to be talking about Michael Jerome Toot. Yeah, you remember him, right? Big, uh, big six foot, uh, eight, eight inches uh, of uh, power and 320 pounds. Trained by the likes of Mike Sharp and Bam Bam Bigelow. All right, well, you probably know him better under the name The Wall, Sergeant A. Wall, and also Malice. This gentleman was most well known for his time in WCW from 1999 to 2001. He started out as a bodyguard for the repackaged Alex Wright when he wrestled under the name Berlin. Eventually, he broke away on his own and became a singles competitor. And feuded with a lot of different people. He had matches with the likes of Billy Kidman, the Kiss Demon, Bam Bam Bigelow, David Flair and Crowbar when they were a tandem. He wrestled Scott Steiner in the WCW United States Championship Tournament at that year's Spring Stampede. Shane Douglas. So he, he, he stepped in the ring with a lot of big names. He later joined the comedy group The Misfits in Action with General Rection, Lieutenant Loco, Corporal Cajun, Major Stash, and Major Guns, where he was renamed Sergeant A-Wall. Get it? A-Wall? During this time, the group feuded with Three Count, the Natural Born Thrillers, and Team Canada. And eventually, after WCW was bought out by Vince McMahon and the WWF, he was signed to a developmental contract. And, and you know, at this point in his career, I thought to myself, okay, this guy's probably a perfect fit for WWF because... He's six foot eight, three hundred and twenty pounds. He's he's a beast of a human being. I could totally see them using him in some capacity. Well, he was later given his release from the company because he had to deal with personal issues in his life. Now, obviously, I don't want to make light of any person who's having personal issues that they need to deal with. Well, that's fine. But what happened after he was released? Well, he wrestled on the independent circuit. And he did have one dark match on an episode of WWF Jacked slash Metal where he lost to Devon Dudley and showed up in a few different promotions, including MLW, XPW. Um, eventually, he was in, he wound up in TNA Wrestling where he was repackaged under the name Malice and actually was the second to last person in the first episode to compete in the gauntlet for the gold match. But really, shortly after this, um, in 2003, he was gone from the promotion. He worked a few shows in All Japan Pro Wrestling before his untimely death in December of 2003. And I'll just never understand why WWE, you know, didn't try to scoop this guy up after he left TNA, or maybe once he dealt with his personal issues in 2001, didn't bring him back to developmental so he could further his in-ring skills even more because this, I mean, this guy was a beast when he was around. He had a really unique look, delivered the choke slam probably better than almost anyone in the business. 
and, you know, definitely could have been utilized, either as a bodyguard or as part of a tag team or a stable, I mean, I mean anything, you know, I'm not saying this guy needed to be booked to be a world champion, but there's a lot of mileage they could have gotten out of this guy. And unfortunately, Vince McMahon never did anything, and, you know, then, you know, in 2003, he passed away. So, very unfortunate that he couldn't get further in his career, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the, a short history about the wall. Your thoughts, Kentucky guy? You know, he has the, or he had the built that Vince McMahon looked for. Once again... It's this thing with Vince McMahon, especially back then, and we talk about it so many times, that <sighs> Vince takes stuff personal, and therefore, <laughs> therefore, doesn't follow through with pushing a superstar, or in this case, actually bringing the superstar on board. Now, the wall, the wall in WCW, I, I really... I didn't get. I'm not going to talk negative about the about the you know about the dead. I really didn't get it. Um, I I watched a lot of his matches, um, but the wall in TNA was awesome. I don't know what changed. I, I really don't. But that was probably. I don't know. I, I know it was the, towards the end of his career with, you know, his life, right? But for some reason, he looked in better shape, and he just seemed happier than what uh, he was with WWE. He had a more charisma, I guess you could call it, about him. So that's my memories that I take. Uh, he was actually, I think, called Malice. You mentioned that in TNA. And, uh, you know, he was a main eventer. Let's be honest about it. So... I really, 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 really liked him in TNA. I liked the choke slam. Uh, you know, he was—he just—he fit the part. So I think this was a good pick. I think this shows once again Vince McMahon. Uh, even though he's been around a very long time, he can still drop the ball. And uh, you know, he did a lot, a lot back in the day. So good pick this week, man. All right, so for this episode, my fantasy booking is none other than Joseph Ryan Robinson, also better known as his ring name, Juice Robinson. Yeah, he just wrestled yesterday. So it all goes back to July 4th on an episode of NXT. Joseph Ryan Robinson was given the name on NXT as C.J. Parker. He teamed with Nick Rogers in a losing effort against Corey Graves and Jack Carter. Right after that match, he was initially used as a jobber on NXT. And he was defeated by likes of the Roman Reigns in a tag team match, uh, Mike Dalton, the Ascension, and then he suffered an injury that kept him out of action for several months. He returned to NXT in July of 2013 with a new hippie character. This guy was destined to fail. Remember, this is a young wrestler 
hadn't done a whole lot in the indie circuit before coming to NXT. So he began a feud with Tyler Breeze. Uh, they did trade a couple wins over the next several months. However, his win-loss record, he, he wasn't, he was not developing where he needed to be, so uh, in 2015, he asked for his release, release from the WWE. So on August 24th, 2015, New, New Japan Pro Wrestling announced that Robinson would be working the next few months under the Destruction Tour under his name, his ring name, Juice Robinson. He actually made his debut that September in a six-man tag team match where he, Kota Ibushi, uh, Nato were defeated by Tiger Mask and Toji. On October 11th, they announced that they had officially signed a contract with Juice Robinson with the promotion, becoming a full-time member of its roster. He spent the rest of 2015 working as a young lion and in multiple tag team matches. On December 16th, now, this is how you debut a new guy. On December 16th, he had his first singles match in New Japan facing fellow young lion Jay White, in which he won. So, formerly known as C.J. Parker in 2011, the man that is now known as Juice Robinson signed with the WWE and was sent over to their developmental territory in Florida uh, that was soon converted into NXT. Throughout his five years, five years in WWE development, Juice was not able to get over the lump, so to speak, with NXT. The crowd and went and went through a series of character changes and tweaks. In 2015, he departed, like I mentioned, to New Japan Wrestling. Three years out, three years, three short years, after leaving the WWE, Juice challenged for the IWGP U.S. Heavyweight Championship at New Japan's G1 Special Show at the Cal Plaza in San Francisco on July 7th. Ahead of his bout against the champion, Jay White, Stephen Mussolini of Sports News had an opportunity to speak with the flamboyant Juice Robinson. And Robinson went on to explain why things did not work out for him in the WWE. Now, uh, I'm going to read his quote here real quick, but I would like you to know that he beat Jay Wyatt, and he's a total five-time New Japan Pro Wrestling television champion. So, so I'll throw that out there. And this is a quote from Juice Robinson. I didn't have confidence... I was 22 years old, just learning how to hit a crossbody. I was just green to the business, but at the same time, trying to get over in the biggest company in the world. That's really a tall order. I just didn't have it, and a lot of patience. I kind of knew who I wanted to be. I had an idea of who I was, but I couldn't portray it. I couldn't, I couldn't execute what I can execute now. I was walking, I was uh, right here. I was always walking on eggshells. I was always really nervous, constantly critiqued, which I wasn't afraid of, unlike others. I know if the match sucked or not. I don't need a 45-year-old vet veteran telling me what I already know these days. 
I now go with the, these days, I now go with the flow because I, I have more confidence. What was the difference, Juice, between WWE and New Japan that resulted in you finding so much success in New Japan rather than WWE? Quote, freedom and time. Like time to get over. New Japan gave me time to get over and still going that way. It's never done. It, was, it wasn't like, well, let's just throw this guy on TV. He's not over in two weeks. On to the next guy. That's what WWE does. That's not what I wanted. To be when I was a little kid, I didn't want to practice pro wrestling. Heck no. I wanted to go out there and do it all over the world. I wanted to be these guys coming in. Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Neville, Ben Balor, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and Cesaro who I thought were the crap, I somehow accidentally got signed when I was 22. I wasn't figuring it out in the pressure cooker of an environment. You got to figure it out. You got, you got to figure it out yesterday. It's chaotic. I got fed up with it. I was beating myself up about it and was down on wrestling. I just had to get out, do it my own way, and now I love it. New Japan gave me time to blossom. So, five-time United States heavyweight champion in IWGP. Uh, he was a tag team champion in IWGP. He was an Impact World Tag Team Champion uh, with David Finley in Impact Wrestling as well. Also, before NXT, FCW, he was a tag team champion twice, once with Jason Jordan and once with Donnie Marlowe. So, here's the thing. When you bring these new guys in, and I guess maybe that's why the WWE took so long before they actually started recruiting indie guys, and maybe, just maybe, that's why the first, I don't know, two dozen indie guys they brought in didn't work, because they didn't understand the mentoring and training process. And that's absolutely what happened to this guy. This guy got lost in shuffle. He didn't have a mentor. It doesn't sound like anybody stepped up to help him in the WWE. Now, I know Jay White took him under his wing in uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. He actually, they're together in AEW. They're the Bullet Club of Gold now. So, I'm glad to see that. But boy, oh boy, if he wouldn't have went to New Japan and he would have tried to, you know, WWE, you know, they're the cream of the crop. I got to stay with them. It was one of those kind of attitude guys. This guy probably wouldn't have half the success that he has now. I just wonder how many more superstars that we lost and not got to see because of crap like this. That just got frustrated and quit the business. We could have had maybe the next Shawn Michaels out there and got frustrated and quit. Anyways, that's my fantasy booking for this uh, episode, sir. What's your thoughts? I think it's a great pick, Kentucky guy. And you talk about somebody who's done a complete 180 in his career since he left NXT. Um, and there are other wrestlers who have had similar success. There's no question about it. Um, you know, I've said it before, as big of a WWE and NXT fan as I am, it's not the end-all, be-all for every single wrestler. I mean, there is there are numerous talents that we could that we could name who had more success elsewhere than they did in WWE. So, I mean, great for Juice Robinson, I say. Great that New Japan finally recognized this talent. 
and not only New Japan, but he's also had success in Impact, and he's had success now in AEW, you know, hopefully that'll continue to go his way, but this was kind of what he needed to do. He had to leave WWE and spread his wings a bit in order to become more of a well-known name. Yep, I couldn't agree more. And you know, that that has to happen. Uh, Look at Cody Rhodes. He had to leave the WWE to come back to be the star he is today. So, all right, so let's get into uh, some Raw results. Yeah, let's do Raw. Wait a minute. Folks, you don't like Raw? Oh, maybe that's your horrible host hitting the wrong button. All right, so Finn Balor opened the show with a promo about how Damian Priest has been the issue with Judgment Day ever since he won the Money in the Bank. Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley came out to talk to uh, talk him into settling this backstage. Uh, Baylor ended up walking to the back, leaving Ripley to give a short promo challenging anyone to step up to her. Now, he did go to the back. They did have a talk. They actually had a match. We'll get into the match later. This story, though, has a happy ending. And we'll get to that in the main event. But, uh, yeah, so I thought it was going to be the implosion of this group. And then we had Imperium facing Matt Riddle and Drew McIntyre. Once again, we have an established tag team that could easily be tag team champions. They could. They They were champions in NXT for a long, long time. Facing a makeshift team, and the makeshift team gets the victory. I understand Matt Riddle needs some victories, but Drew McIntyre, you bring this punk back on my television again, and you let him beat an established tag team with a with Matt Riddle. Two guys you just threw together. One's American, one's Scottish. What the heck? Your thoughts on that, Matt? Well, well first, just a comment on the opening segment. Um, you know, my only my only issue I've had with the Judgment Day storyline for the last, like, few weeks is that WWE, like, while they've got the Bloodline storyline going on, they're also teasing the dissolution or at least a little bit of fracturing in another major heel stable. Now, as you mentioned, Kentucky Guy, there is more of a development later in the show, so I'm kind of glad that they're not necessarily going in that direction, like, hey, Judgment Day is going to completely implode because they've got a good thing going right now, and you don't you, you don't destroy a good thing, especially not while it's still really over. Um, as far as the tag team match, I mean, I'm not surprised by the result. I mean, Drew just came back. He is the next in line for the Intercontinental title match against Gunther. I mean, you have to have Waste of time. the Scottish Warrior looking strong. Riddle, eh, you know, he's a supplemental player in this uh, in this feud. Um, I do agree that Imperium's a really good tag team, and I do kind of wish they were picking up wins on television, but unfortunately, I mean, when you're Drew McIntyre and you're uh, trying to 
get get yourself a new, another title. You gotta you, you gotta have some sacrificial lambs uh, for him to defeat in the process. <laughs> that Gunther match is a waste of time. Gunther will destroy him. And then we had a rematch: Dominic Mysterio versus Seth Rollins. Uh, Dom and Rollins started fighting before the bell ever started, and went out into the crowd. And of course, uh, Finn Balor and Priest came out together and attacked uh, Seth from behind. So there was no finish to that match. Zayn and Owens ran down to the ring to try to help, even even the odds. Rollins grabbed a chair to give his uh, his side the edge and send Judgment Day packing. This leads to a six-man tag team bout later in the show, our main event. Then we had a short break, and then boom, Ricochet comes out in street clothes and has a face-to-face -face with none other than Logan Paul. Uh, he spoke to the crowd about trying to entertain them every time he steps through the curtain before he got to business. He called out the social media star, and it didn't take Paul long to arrive. He insulted the city of Buffalo, and he said he would make this quick. He told Ricochet he was incredible, but also called him a reckless amateur. The one and only said he was originally going to just challenge Paul to a match. But now that he's there, he just wants to hurt him. He did a front flip out of the ring and landed right in front of Paul, which was spectacular. That was awesome. Uh, he did take a few swings of Ricochet. Uh, before he ended up on his back from a quick takedown. This was all pretty cut and dry, but it did do a great job, I think, of setting the stage for the match at SummerSlam. Now, that flip that Ricochet did on Logan Paul was great, was awesome. <laughs> that move, that takedown, like that's from behind Stunner or whatever that was he done, holy crap. So maybe... Ricochet's going to start being turned loose a little bit, and we're going to see some of the... Because that, that's Puma moves when he's Puma and Lucha Underground. I haven't seen those moves out of him in a long, long time. So I, I'm here for that. And if they turn him loose and let him start doing some of this stuff, he's going to be a champion real, real soon. Uh, your thoughts on those two segments? So my only complaint about the Seth Rollins-Dominic Mysterio segment is that I wish that this was just, you know, a confrontation that eventually led to a six-man tag match later in the night. Not, let's have a singles match, and there's going to be a DQ, and now we're going to have another match later in the night. I hate when WWE does that. It's so predictable. They've been doing it for years. Um, I'm surprised Teddy Long didn't come out and say, we're going to have a six-man tag match, player. <laughs> <laughs> um, but other than that, but other than that, this was a good segment with a lot of moving pieces. Um, and you know what? I enjoyed the Ricochet-Logan uh, Paul segment. I still say that Logan Paul should go back to his uh, celebrity boxing matches and stick with uh, dealing with his lawsuits for his energy drink than uh, trying to be a WWE superstar. Because this man, this man doesn't realize, and a lot of the WWE fans don't realize what Ricochet is capable of and just how talented he is. You mentioned it a minute ago, Kentucky guy. He was in Lucha Underground as Prince Puma. He was amazing. He's had matches with guys like Will Ospreay all over the world before he even came to NXT. He's a definite star, and I really, really hope WWE 
take allows him to take the gloves off in this match and truly show people what he can do. You know what's going to make me mad is that they use him to put Logan Paul over because Logan Paul has lost, I don't know, how many pay-per-views in a row. That's going to make me mad. <laughs> and I can see that happening, unfortunately. Becky Lynch uh, faced Zoe Stark. There was rumor that uh, Becky wasn't cleared to wrestle, and then she got cleared. Uh, basically, she had like a virus or something. And uh, But your winner, Zoe Stark, due to uh, shenanigans, and she done the uh, most amazing move in wrestling history, the roll-up pin. So, yeah, think, I don't have a whole lot to say about that match. Trish Stratus, Becky Lynch feud should be over, over, done. Let's move on. Let's get the man looking towards the future at a title opportunity. Let's be done with this. Speaking of title opportunities, Shayna Baszler went up against Emma and absolutely demolished her. Demolished her. I like this match because I like... <laughs> I just thought it was funny. I really did. Shayna Baszler is a beast. And Emma, I don't care how thick your sunglasses are, girl. You just wasted your time and your career coming to WWE. Because all you're there for is to walk around with your little boyfriend and put people over. <laughs> so, who knows? Uh, and I'm going to do one more match and I'll let you uh, unpack all three of them. Uh, then we had The Miz versus Tommaso Ciampa. And The Miz actually won this match. And it was good to see The Miz get a victory, finally, on TV. However, why would you do it on Ciampa? There's so many other people out there he could have beat. Why Ciampa? This guy's getting ready to do the DIY, all that again. Don't, don't ruin this dude's flow. He's just come back from an injury. Anyways, your thoughts on those three, sir? Well, as far as the Miz Champa match, I mean, I didn't necessarily see it that they're destroying his momentum here. I mean, he didn't look weak in defeat. It wasn't like the Miz, you know, you know, squashed him in a couple in just a minute or two. It was it was a competitive match? Would I've liked to see Champa go over? Sure, but you know what? It, it's it's about it's about time that the Miz actually picked up a win on television. It's been months since the man actually won a match, and. I don't know. I, I was kind of getting concerned with the way they were booking him. I was like, man, who did he upset backstage that he has to lose these many matches? This is a man who's a former two-time WWE champion, Intercontinental, U.S. tag team. He's done it all in WWE, pretty much. He's, he's a three-time Grand Slam. Yeah, people forget that. So, uh, it's kind of good to see The Miz win a match. It is unfortunate, though, that Chapa had to lose, but I'm not that upset about it. Um yeah, uh, Shayna Baszler is being booked the way Shayna Baszler needs to be booked right now. Um, I don't have really much of an opinion on this match other than, yeah, I mean, she needs to look like a beast for her upcoming match against Ronda Rousey. So, good booking there. And, yeah, Becky Lynch, um, I I'm kind of kind of worn out by this feud between her and Trish Stratus. I really want it to come to its conclusion, and I want Becky Lynch... To move on to a feud with Rhea Ripley because that's what people want to see. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Now, the next match, speaking of getting wore out on something, uh, <laughs> sure. 
So, Sonya Deville and her buddy, her tag team partner, Chelsea Green, who are, by the way, the number one contenders for the women's tag team titles. I can't say that without laughing. Had a match versus Caden Carter and Katana Chance. And Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green won the match in two minutes due to a dirty pin. The match was started and over with. Before it got started. It didn't seem like it was two minutes to me. It seemed more like 20 seconds. It was weird. It's over with. Guess what? Could care less about those tag, two tag teams. So I was glad it was done and over and off my television. Yeah. Then we had the main event. And that's what I wanted to see. We had Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Seth Rollins versus uh, uh, Dominic Mysterio, Baylor, and Priest. Basically, it came down to Zayn and Baylor. Ripley grabbed uh, Sami Zayn's foot to prevent a hill uh, of a kick, which allowed Priest to hit a choke slam so Baylor could finish him off with the coup de gras for the win. Yes, yes, yes. The Judgment Day won the match straight up. Here's what I love to end the show, Baylor and Priest had a moment in the middle of the ring. And they shared a big, huge hug to show us and everyone else that they are back on the same page. And I tell you what, when these two, like I mentioned, <laughs> uh, Priest hit that choke slam, and then Finn Balor finished him off with a coup de gras. You know, we're talking about half of uh, the tag team champions here. These guys, when they're on the same page and they're clicking, man, they're unstoppable. And that's what they should be focusing on, those two as a tag team, instead of both of them going for the world title. Uh, your thoughts on those two matches? Yeah, I don't know why the women's tag match was even put on this episode of Raw. It could have just been a dark match, or they could have saved it for next week. Um, this was probably a Vince McMahon call. Let's put, let, let's put them on television, but let's uh, make the match two minutes long, and nobody cares about it. <laughs> so... Uh, I mean, I guess the end result of the match makes total sense because Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green are in line for a women's tag title shot, but the match itself was meh. Um, main event, though, was really good, and that, that moment at the end between Damian Priest and Finn Bauer further solidifies Judgment Day and shows you that next that they are going to be gunning for the tag team titles. I'm telling you. That's probably going to be the tag team title match at SummerSlam. Balor and Priest versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. And that's good. that could be a great match. That could be a show stealer right there. There's no question about it. You think, uh, you think they can get that together that quick for SummerSlam, though? Well, I mean, we're still, we're still a couple of weeks away, so I think they've got time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see it. Yeah, I would. All right, so let's get into some Dynamite results. A.W. Dynamite. The Blind Eliminator Tournament semifinal match. Uh, we had Adam Cole and MJF versus Big Bill and Brian Cage. Your winners straight up, Adam Cole and MJF. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Adam Cole and MJF, I love this tag team. I love it. 
They're funny outside the ring. They're funny inside the ring. I I just it, it's <laughs> they they need to keep this going and ride this as long as they've got a really good thing here. Do not split these two up right away and have that world title match. These guys are hilarious together. And I also like how Roderick Strong and Britt Baker are kind of getting jealous of the of the relationship. I love it. Love it. Your thoughts on the first match, sir? The the result made sense here because you've got the world champ and you've got, you know, the guy who's more or less the number one contender for the title who, you know, have been butting heads but are working together as a unit here in this blind eliminator tag match. And they do have they have better chemistry than I expected them to have. I thought this was going to be horrible. I thought, why are you doing this to MJF and Adam Cole? But they are making it work because they're both great performers. Now, I will say, this is my only complaint about this segment, Kentucky guy. Big Bill and Brian Cage are both monsters, and they should be destroying everybody in their path. And the problem is, and this is a fundamental issue with AEW that we'll get into later in, the, in this episode, is that they don't book their the, the big their big guys, their traditional, you know, big, larger-than-life guys to look strong and, and dominant. And that's my major issue with AEW is that, on a whole, they don't do a good job with that. But as far as this individual match in a bubble, I'm totally fine with the result. No, you're right. You're spot on. I've thought about that before. Uh, Tony Khan basically likes... Lucha Libre, he's, he's the opposite of Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon loves, 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 loves people like Big Bill and Brian Cage, that body, that body type. Tony Khan is more of a luchador body type who usually gets put over. Look at your, well, just look at your former champions. Kenny Omega, John Moxley, MJF, uh, you know, and then look at your big guys. They've had the TNT title, whoopee-doo-dah, <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah, you're, you're spot on. He, he has, and everybody has their choice, right? But when you have a choice like that, do not be the freaking create a part of the creative process because you're biased and it messes up the flow. Then we had another blind eliminator tournament semifinal, Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen went up against Sammy Guevara and... Daniel Garcia, this was a good match. This was a good match. Uh, I really, uh, you know, Sammy, I know that he's he acts, he's trying to act like he's done with Chris Jericho and the uh, uh, society, but he's going to have to stay with Garcia a little bit longer because they won that match straight up. And I thought it was a good match. We had also the Owen Hart Memorial Women's Tournament semifinal, Sky Blue versus Ruby Soho. Ruby Soho was the winner. Couldn't really care about that, but so now it's going to be Ruby Soho versus the uh, Willow Nightingale at Collision, and we'll go over those results here in a little bit. Your thoughts on those two matches? Once again, happy with the results of both matches. Um, you know, Sky Blue is still she's still young. She's very green. She's got to she's got to grow into her role and everything. So it makes sense putting Ruby Soho Soho over here to go into the finals of the tournament. Um, I, you know, I like Darby Allen a lot, but I'm glad that he and Orange Cassidy did not win this match. It just made way more sense for Sammy Guevara and, Dan and Daniel Garcia to win here 
because they're both staplemates in the Jericho Appreciation Society. So that makes way more sense than having a makeshift team beat them. Yeah. And then we had Commander, a new wrestler, kind of. Uh, a new wrestler to AW versus Chris Jericho versus uh, Jericho did win the match. As soon as the match was over, Don Callis arrived and showed a video of him and Jericho with Bad News Brown from 1995. I thought that was interesting. It was, uh, <laughs> it was, man, Jericho looked young back then and Don had hair. But he was still unable to get a straight answer out of Jericho and regarding joining his family. Jericho pretty much left him hanging. And then we had another debut. That's Nick Wayne. And he went on against Swerve Strickland. Now, Swerve Strickland won this match. And Swerve Strickland is awesome. He's great. This Nick Wayne guy, I'm telling you, these two, the, he, these two guys stole the show for me on Dynamite. This Nick Wayne guy is great. If you have not seen any of his independent matches, you need to go check him out. Yes, he's in AEW now. Of course, he's got to take his lumps there. But this guy, man, oh, man, this guy's got a future. I mean, a huge future uh, with AEW, whatever company he's with. Unless he gets injured or... Something awful like that happens. I'm telling you, this is your next superstar. I really enjoyed that match. Like I said, it stole the show for me. Your thoughts on those matches, sir? Yeah, I mean, Jericho beating Commander, I think, was a foregone conclusion. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see where this story goes. What just Chris Jericho is going to decide to do. Personally, I think the Jericho Appreciation Society has... Uh, has run its course. It's time for a new character for Jericho. It's time for a new direction. I think pairing him with Don Callis would be a really smart move at this point. So I'm all for that. Um, the Nick Wayne Swerve Strickland match, you know, pretty good showcase for both guys. I honestly have never heard of Nick Wayne before. What promotions has he worked for, uh, Kentucky guy, prior to this? Uh, MLW. It's one of them. Uh, he was in the, uh, not New Japan Pro Wrestling, but the Japan promotion. I can't think of what it's called. I think it's just called Japan Wrestling. Okay. And yeah, then, uh, uh, I'm curious, to, I'm curious to see more from him. I mean, he, I mean, he's young. He's clearly got talent. We'll, we, we will see how he develops. I mean, hopefully he, uh, can pick up a better, uh, win-loss record than Action Andretti. That's all I'll say. What do you think about, sir, uh, get your opinion real quick. Uh, Swerve Strickland. I think he's really starting to come into his own. What do you think about him? I like Swerve Strickland. I mean, you and I have said it a million times before that Hit Row wouldn't have even had a career without Swerve Strickland. And then Hit Row lost their leader and they became pretty much just uh, <laughs> crap after that on WWE television. And I cringe every time they're on screen. <laughs> funny <clears throat> and you're right I mean they just uh, they just don't they don't get it they don't that that I mean that's really all you can say is they just do not get it they and now uh, I you know it's one of those things where you're like 
why are they still on my television set? You know? It just doesn't make any sense. All right, so let's see here. Oh, also, just to, uh, uh, Nick Wayne, one of the promotions that he brought on, most of all, Mr. Cage, that uh, I really enjoy was uh, the uh, uh, what is it, 5CC Wrestling. I don't know if you're familiar with that. That's an indie circuit uh, company. He was actually their champion. He won the heavyweight championship there. Uh, that's the one that I've watched most of his matches on. So we have to keep our eyes on Nick Wayne. Check him out, yeah. And then, uh, so, John Moxley and Takashita and John Callis revealed that Pac will join as the team's fifth competitor, rekindling the, uh, the company-long feud with Omega. And then, Kota Ishibushi is coming to All Elite Wrestling. After years of expectation from fans that uh, the star would join his teammate and friend, Kenny Omega, in the company, he finally will. Ibushi was announced as the fifth member of the side of the Blood and Guts match on next week's show, reforming the Golden Elite with Omega. <clears throat> Golden Elite? That, that's not what they call themselves. The Young Bucks and Heyman Page in their war with the Blackpool Combat Club. It was the Golden Lovers. I don't know what this Golden Elite stuff is. But yeah, so what do you think about uh, he's a great wrestler, Kota Ibushi coming to WWE. Well, both were great. Uh, both were great inclusions in the match. It's great to see Pac back as well. He has a history with both Hangman Page and Kenny Omega in AEW, so having him in the match is great. Having Kota Ibushi there is great. This is going to be a must-watch blood and guts match now, in my opinion. Yep, yep, yep. So now, <clears throat> and I know we're running out of time, but we've got to go over collision results, and I'll tell you why. Collision, absolutely, in my opinion, whooped Dynamite this week again. I think they whooped them all over the place. So we had FTR defending their tag team titles against the Bullet Club Gold, which is uh, Switchblade, Jay White and uh, Juice Robinson. Now, they did what I didn't want them to do. I mentioned on the last episode. So don't let these guys beat FTR twice <clears throat> when it doesn't count. And then when it's on the line, have them lose. Now, I will say this. This was the show. This was the match. I don't know. This could be match of the year. This was a great match. Two out of three falls. I mean... Man, this was this was a match that rarely happens to me because I've been watching wrestling so long that I was right up against the TV set watching every single move, every aspect of this match. It was the best match of the night, probably match of the year, definitely match of the month. So FTR retained their title. I'm not happy with that outcome, and I'll tell you why. I like FTR. Everybody knows that. I think they're solid. <clears throat> they remind me of the old school wrestlers, and they're great. But do not bring these champions, put them together, and then have them beat this team twice, and then lose when it matters. It's, it, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Your thought on that match, sir? 
I, I agree 100% with everything you said, Kentucky guy. I would have loved to have seen a title change because if you don't think that Switchblade, Jay White, and Juice Robinson are stars, well, this match would, would prove you wrong with that assessment. Uh, they hung with F FTR the whole way. It would have been great to see new champions. Um, I'm not upset about FTR uh, retaining, though, because if these two teams collide again, I personally I like Bullet Club's gold uh, gold's uh, chances of winning next time. Yep, yep, that could be that could be a future pay per view match. You're right. <clears throat> then we had for the uh, Owen Hart tournament, Ruby Soho faced Willow Nightingale, <clears throat> and your winner. Willow Nightingale, she won the Owen Hart tournament. This girl, I mean, I thought she was just a chubby girl, you know, running around a ring. But she's now <laughs> won a title in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and she's won the Owen Hart tournament. That shocked me. Shocked me. And then we had, and I'll go over another match real quick because it's very easy to talk about. And that was the Kings of the Black Throne. And that is Aleister Black and, and his partner. They went against two jobbers. Two jobbers. That's all you can say. That's all, they were local talent. These two boys were. And you talk, it's like, it's like if you guys ever watch, watch like the Discovery Channel or Natural Channel. And you see like this big bear. And he's getting ready to eat this fish, and he just plays with it, knocks it over, and does what he wants. Look, these guys just played with these guys, just kind of show off. <laughs> and, hey, you know, Brody, uh, he, he's a talented guy too, man. It's not just all about Alistair. And I'm telling you, when they decided this match was over, guess what? It was over. <laughs> so I thought that was great. Your thoughts on those two matches? I mean, the tag team match with the Kings of the Black Throne, the, the match was pretty much over from the second they rung the bell. They just destroyed these two jobbers. That uh, reference to the bear and the fish uh, playing with it is, uh, is, a, good, uh, is a good analogy. Um, you know, what can I say about Willow Nightingale? I think she shocked a lot of people. Um, basically, um, you know, I they easily could have given this to Ruby Soho because... I think it was, she was in the finals last year against Britt Baker, if I remember correctly, and she lost there, so they could have very easily said, nope, we're giving Ruby the win this time, but no, they decided to shock people and give it to Willow Nightingale. I mean, you know, the one thing I could say about her, they're kind of doing in AEW for Willow Nightingale what I thought they wanted to do for Piper Niven in WWE, but didn't, uh, you know, because again, it's, you know, it, it's a girl who's, you know, a little on the let's just say curvier side, you know, she's not, you know, a super thin, you know, with a model body, but, you know, hey, they're showcasing her, and I, you know, I guess that's a good thing. Hey, is Piper gone? I haven't seen her in a while. She's not, she just hasn't been used on television. Huh. Okay. And then uh, the uh, male, or the men's own hard tournament, we had the finals, CM Punk versus Ricky Starks. Now, CM Punk made some comments before the match. He's going to see if Mr. Young Mr. Starks <laughs> is able to sink or swim. And your winner of the men's, Owen Hart, 
tournament. They got that big fancy belt from Miss Hart and trophy. None other than CM. Oh, wait, no. Ricky Starks. Ha ha. Ricky Starks. Yeah. I don't care how he won the match. I'm glad he won the match. I'm glad CM Punk did not win this match. I was going. I was so mad when he beat Samoa Joe, and I, I. This match made me happy. A match that did not make me happy. Now we're going to talk about a match. We're going to switch switch gears really fast, and this is the match where I absolutely busted my wife's television, and she is so mad about this over this match. I just went up there and kicked it. Orange Cassidy versus Lance Archer. Lance Archer for the international title. Lance Archer, by the way, from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Lance Archer, the guy that beat John Moxley for the New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling television title a couple times. And Orange Cassidy won. And that's all I got to say about that. Your thoughts on those two matches? I was shocked by Ricky uh, Starks winning. Um, Loved it. I, 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 yeah, I, I wasn't upset about it by any means. Uh, I, I feel like the only, you know, the only tweak I would make, I feel like he absolutely could have gotten, could have gotten a clean victory over Punk, whether it was via, via roll up or anything. You know, you know, he had that little bit of ropes for leverage there, which I was like, ah, oh, well, you know what, whatever. He won the match. You know, Punk put him over. It, it is what it is. You know, it's, it's a nice surprise. Nobody expected. I don't think anyone expected Punk to lose here. And the fact that Starks was able to pull off this upset, it's a huge win. It's a huge notch on his belt. It makes his stock go way up. So I'm happy for Ricky Starks, one way or another. Um, I hated this match for the International Championship. Everything about it. Um, I'm tired of Orange Cassidy. There's no reason Lance, Lance Archer shouldn't have won this match. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm infuriated, you know, if I... Uh, if I was if I was at home at my own place watching it, uh, you know, been staying been staying at my parents' uh, house. Um, I obviously didn't want to break any of their televisions, but I I, w- I would have just sacrificed my own television if I was watching it at home, just like you. <laughs> it was it was dating. Tony Khan. What are you doing? Really, that's a good question. What are you doing? Uh, what is the, your fascination with this orange redheaded guy? All right, then we had Tony Storm versus uh, Taya Valkyrie for the women's title. Now, there was some, they had a storm going on where they were taping, or actually it was live, uh, collision. And if you don't know, Tony Storm did retain her title, and they did show it, but they showed it after the Luchasaurus and Sean Spears match. It looked like Tony Storm hit Taya with the eye of the storm. To retain her title. So, but I know you didn't get to see most of that match, guys. Uh, Tony Schiavone came on and said that they were having technical difficulties. But, uh, yeah, they did come, they did back up and show it. Thankfully, because I was like, uh, what happened? I, like, they didn't announce that we have a new champ. Because I thought, you know, Taya, she deserves a belt. She's had one everywhere she's went. And I just don't understand the, uh, the dysfunction there with AEW when it comes to her. And then we had the other title on the line. Luchasaurus defended his TNT title against Sean Spears. 
And your winner, this match was okay. It was all right. I don't know. I mean, Luchasaurus is so clunky in the ring. Still, I, I just, I don't know. But he did retain his title. And once again, Christian Cage acts like it's his title, running around with it, <laughs> acting like he done it all. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, I'm not going to say that wasn't, that was a great match. I'm not even going to say it was a good match. It was okay. I, you know, Sean Spears did the best with what he had to work with, I guess. So, uh, your thoughts on those two matches, sir? Yeah, it's tough to comment on the women's match because of the technical difficulties. I mean, I feel bad for Tony Storm and Taya Valkyrie that we missed uh, part of it and didn't get to see it until later. Um, so, you know, but it, that's just one of the things you can't plan for, unfortunately, in live television, um, especially if it's impacted by weather. Um, you know, I, I'm a big Taya Valkyrie fan. I, I feel like she should have gold around her waist, but it's not that I don't like Tony Storm, so I, I, I could argue that I'm not really... As upset as when she lost here to Tony Storm as when she lost to Jade Cargill. So there's that. Uh, the Sean Spears Luchasaurus match, I mean, I figured this was going to be a win for Luchasaurus. They haven't been pushing Sean Spears, and I know he just came back recently. Um, he's a good worker and everything, but I don't see AEW giving him a, a like major push anytime soon. Yeah, I don't, I don't see any promotion. Uh, unfortunately, doing that for him. And he's got, if you get away from that 10 stuff and just come up with something, tweak his character just a little bit, stay away from Telly Blanchard, stay away from the chairman crap too, and just do a, re, a redo on his character. And maybe go, go to NXT or go to Impact or something and uh, try to find himself. And develop, like like uh, Cody did, the American Nightmare, develop something that works, and then come back. But I think he's just, he's had too many character changes, man, since he's been with AEW. And he's only been there a couple of years, so. Alright, so let's get into, let's go ahead and do a headline apiece, sir. I'll let you start us off. Alright. The Undertaker has spoken highly of Bray Wyatt in the past and did so recently again as he is high on the WWE star. Uh, by high, I mean he's offering high praise for him. <laughs> I don't mean that The Undertaker's literally getting high. <laughs> this past January at WWE Raw 30, they had a special moment as Taker made his return as Biker Taker while interrupting L.A. Knight a man who is also a big star right now, and, is, uh, and we'll see what happens with his career in the near future. Taker grabbed him by the throat and handed him off to Wyatt, who laid out L.A. Knight with Sister Abigail. Taker whispered something to Wyatt before exiting the ring. It's a special moment for Wyatt, who previously talked about it on Out of Character with Ryan Satin. While speaking to Alistair McGeorge of Metro, Taker talked about how WWE has booked Wyatt since making his return last year. They need to go back to Bray's character up to the original character, get away from, they kind of got themselves booked into a situation where it's kind of difficult for him to have matches. I think the original Wyatt family, Bray, that, that's the money. I got to work with Bray at Mania the year after I got concussed in the Brock match. I worked with Bray, I think a lot of him, I like what he's doing. I think they just have to figure <laughs> out how to. They need to back it up, I think. 
Is that your Undertaker impression? What are you doing? <laughs> That's how he sounds in real life when he does interviews. Because he doesn't do like the super deep voice. <laughs> um, his promos and then his ability to work. He's an incredible, incredible worker. But he's not getting the opportunity to do it. I hope the best for him. I really do think a lot of him. We'll see what happens there. Um, yeah, I mean, Undertaker has said in the past in interviews that he's a big Bray Wyatt fan. And he brought up a really interesting point about his character, and I agree with it 100%. If you take what Bray Wyatt did with the cult leader character, which is when he first started out for the first few years, and then occasionally mix in the fiend character that he can get, that he can bring that he can bring on for occasional matches in my opinion you've got you've got a perfect model right there for the Bray Wyatt character because as Taker said he is actually a good worker we've seen it in the past i mean he and Bray Wyatt had a pretty solid match at WrestleMania 31 Bray had a good match against John Cena at WrestleMania 30 we've seen his matches against Daniel Bryan in the past against Roman Reigns. He's had good matches. He's not an incapable worker. He just has not been booked well. And unfortunately, a lot of his personal problems that he's had in recent months since he came back, that's been halting all of his momentum. So it's not solely on WWE. It's also personal stuff he's going through. But I agree with Taker. Take the best of both worlds. Take his cult leader character, mix in a little bit of The Fiend, and people are going to be happy. That's what I thought they were doing. I thought that's a, was the whole Wyatt Six thing. That's that that's what he is. He is a leader of a faction, a dark faction. And yeah, of course, the Undertaker, twenty some years in the business, you know he's going to get it right. But yeah, I mean that's what we're all thinking. The Fiend. I don't know, man. He had some great matches as the Fiend against Randy Orton, Daniel Bryan, so. Uh, and Roman Reigns even so, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't do away with the Fiend. I just I don't understand how they're going to bring the Fiend back because I watched several interviews with Bray and he said the Fiend died in WrestleMania that year. So I don't know. All right, so I'm going to do one full headline and then I want to kill a couple rumors real quick and we'll get done with this episode. Uh, my headline. There was an argument backstage after last night's WWE Raw main event. There was a legitimate argument backstage after WWE Monday Night Raw went off the air. Reports that the argument involved members of the six-man six tag match that ended the show. The match was featured the Judgment Day versus Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Seth Rollins. And the main issue was that some spots in the match did not go as planned, and they were clunky. And aspects of the... Huh, I just used that word earlier, clunky. And aspects of the match were changed at the last second. According to two sources, one source reportedly put the blame on a certain talent, but they did not want to say who because they didn't want to make the internet go insane. After Finn Balor pinned Sami Zayn, everybody returned backstage, and that is when the argument began. Reportedly, it began out of frustration over how the match went, but there was never any indication that things were going to get physical, but many involved were not happy about the situation. It was noted that last night was, quote, just one of those nights, and emotions were running high. Yeah, you're in an emotional sport. 
It's going to happen. I don't care if you play football, basketball. I, I've been there. You play them, and, you know, things don't have to go the way you want them to. And, uh, yeah, you know, you're going to, uh, you know, I've seen it come to fist blows before. So, yeah, it's going to happen. I don't know why they have to report on every little thing like this. <sighs> I don't know. Your thoughts on that headline, sir? Yeah, I wouldn't read too much into it. Um, you know, everyone has their own opinion about how a match should go, how, uh, you know, how spots should uh, should pan out and everything. And sometimes, you know, th- things just happen. You know, you, you mess up things. You know, it, you know it, it happens in the moment. But you, you talk it through. Sometimes you vent. You, you let your frustrations out, and then you just move on. And it sounds like that's what all six guys did. This doesn't sound like it's a major issue that people should be concerned about. Right. And uh, so now I want to kill a rumor real quick uh, that we've heard that towards the end of this week. Ronda Rousey, yes, she does have a hard-out date on her contract. Yes, she is leaving the WWE. No, she is not returning to UFC. That is just a false rumor. Ariel uh, Hawane of MMA Fighting Reports quote, there is no truth to Rousey's rumor return to UFC. No truth to it. So I just wanted to kill that real quick. Now a rumor that is true, it is true, is this one right here. Eric Young has has been under contract since 2022 uh, with the WWE, with Triple H returning last year. He hasn't returned to the ring, though. He said in interviews that he felt like he had a lot more to give as a wrestler rather than a backstage capacity, and he expressed issues with working for Vince McMahon. He also talked about WWE system being broken. But that was before McMahon stepped down last year. When Triple H running creative, Young was brought back last November, but he never did do anything on television. And he would ask for his release just months later. He asked for his release in April, and it was granted. His 90-day non-compete ended last week, which makes it possible for him to appear, and he did appear at Slammiversary. So... Why did you not, why did you leave WWE? Young reported he did not want to work under Vince McMahon after he returned to the company in an official capacity. He reported critical, cynical, morale, creative, and personal reasons for why he didn't want to work under McMahon. Many of you will recall that Young's previous stint in the main roster was lackluster, primarily because McMahon didn't see much insanity faction. So, and there's a little bit more to the story there, but I just wanted to give you guys a gift of it. That rumor is true. He did show up. Uh, he actually showed up in his Canadian character at Slammiversary and actually won the match against Bubba Ray and them. So, uh, it's kind of like the Canadian uh, reunion. All those guys were there. So, <laughs> But uh, any, any thoughts, uh, Mr. Cage, on those two rumor killers? Yeah, I read the Ronda Rousey rumor, and I also read that that was false, that she was going back to UFC. I I don't see her being interested in that. I mean, if she, you know, when she eventually leaves WWE, I see her getting involved in other projects. 
definitely not um, going back to UFC. Who knows? Maybe she'll be another athlete or whatever that's offered her own reality show. That That's big business right now. <laughs> um, yeah, Eric Young back in Impact makes a lot of sense. I think he's going to be utilized way better there. I think if Sanity was going to come back in WWE, it would have it, that faction would have come back by now. Just put Eric Young in, back in Impact where he belongs and can finish out his career. Um, you know, I, I respect him. If he doesn't want to work with Vince McMahon, then I respect him for making that decision and saying, "Hey, release me, and I'll go back to where a place where I want to work." Stick to your principles, and you will get far. In life, you'll get very far in life. All right, so let's see here. There was one other thing. Oh, yeah, I want to break this news, and then we'll call it an episode. This is AEW. Don Callis. Don Callis was part of a scary situation following Sunday's Triple Mania XXX event in Tijuana, where Kenny Omega lost to El Hydro. In the main event, Don Callis, who has been feuding with Omega for months uh, after turning on him, was ringside for the bout. Conan, who is the uh, commissioner of that of that program, sent Callis to the back. Uh, Randall won the match after pinning Omega with a uh, 6:30 splash. Following the show, Omega Omega uh, Kenny Omega was talking with local media when there was an angle where Omega and Callis. Exchanged words. Omega was attacked by Takashita to, to further their feud. This is when things got real. <laughs> a fan attacked Callus from behind and was on Callus until security broke it up. The Phantom must have been upset by something Callus said. Brian Alvarez is reporting Callus, who has a bad neck, had a bloody mouth, and other injuries, including his neck and ankle because of the attack. He was going to go to the San Diego uh, for medical attention. Alvarez reiterates the situation was absolutely not a work. Quote, everything was an angle up to that point, but then a fan who was apparently upset about what Don had said to Kenny jumped on from behind, ripped his suit, uh, concussed his eardrum, and busted open his mouth, while he's trying to choke out Don from behind, Alvarez said. Don was screaming profanities at the fan before he was pulled off and was said to be livid afterwards. Of course he was. Guys. Guys. Listen. And I know this probably don't pertain to any of our listeners, but for real. This is a show. This is entertainment. If you're fortunate enough to go to a live event... Do not take it serious. Do not touch anybody. First of all, nine times out of ten, you're going to get your butt handed to you if you do touch one of these professionals. And the second thing is you're probably going to go to jail. It's not real. Sometimes we just have to say it. I love this sport. Love it, love it, love it. But, man, there's a boundary line that you don't cross. And that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous to even have to read that. Or even have this conversation. God bless America. All right, brother. What's your thoughts on that headline? That last one. Let, let me tell you something. Um, if you're a wrestling fan and you're not in on 
in on the joke per se. Uh, it, not that it's a joke, but you know what I mean. You're not in on it. The fact that you know, look, it's meant to blur, re you know, the boundaries of reality. It's not meant to actually be real. So don't ever put your hands on a wrestler. I mean, I, I mean, it. You know, it's just just baffles me that this still goes on today, Kentucky guy. This isn't the mid '80s in mid South wrestling where people thought that the that the junkyard dog was legitimately blinded by his opponents and a guy brought brought a shotgun to a show and had to actually be tackled by cops before he went went ahead and shot one of the wrestlers in the ring because he was so angry about what happened to the junkyard dog it's like i mean he i remember hearing about that incident where junkyard dog who had to pretend he was blinded almost had to break character to to pull the gun out of the guy's at the out of the fan's hand that could have got became a really ugly situation back in the day, but there have been a lot of incidents with fans over the years. Just sit there, watch the program, you know, yell at the wrestlers if you want, but do not ever physically insert yourself. Yeah, and I like, hey, when I go to live events, I yell at the wrestlers. That's the fun of it. I would never, never in my life touch one. And remember, these guys, after these shows, they're... Nine times out of ten, most of them are buddies. They go out drinking together after they just had a match. So it's a show, guys. It's entertainment. And, and I hate saying that because I know it takes away a little bit of the, you know, the, the it's, a, it's kind of a spoiler. But sometimes we just got to be honest. I don't want to see you guys get in trouble. So, All right, sir. That's all I have for this episode. What say you? That is all for me, Kentucky guy. All right, folks, so you've been listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. With your co-host is the Kentucky Guy and Donnie Cage. As always, folks, thank you so much for listening. God bless and God bless America.